PGA Nation, we are back. And we are back after a huge week. The Masters lived up to its potential. I know, like, some people were down. It was kind of a blowout. Was it not? A, it was a great tournament. There was a lot of windy days. There was difficult days. There was a huge Sunday. There was leaderboard changes, except for first kind of. But regardless, um, there was a lot of fun. Uh, me personally, just I know it's not about me, but I like to tell a fun little story. Um, I, you know, day one, I put my, my big lineup in for the week. And within an hour, Paul Casey withdraws. I'm sick to my stomach. Just ton of money flushed on the toilet. That lineup goes on to still cash for a lot of money, make $7,000. We still made a profit last week, which is good. And we're heading to South Carolina. But we don't leave the Masters and go to South Carolina alone. We bring in the big guns when we head to the South Carolina. We're going to RPC Heritage, and we brought on Andy Lack. Andy, thanks for joining us tonight. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, anytime. I think the concept that you guys got going here is is really fun, so I uh, I can't wait to be a part of it this week. I love it. How'd you do last week? How'd you do in the Masters? Bad. I did not have a good week, which was frustrating because the course actually played exactly how I thought it was going to play. And I felt like my handicap of the course was strong and correct. And yet I still ended up picking the wrong guys. Um, you know, especially the bottom really killed me. Uh, I had a lot of Thomas Peters, which retrospectively is not a sentence I ever want to have to say again <laughs> out loud. Um, and I just, I got the bottom dead wrong. Um, I had a lot of Rory and I, I had way too much ROM instead of Scheffler, but I, I just got the bottom dead wrong and, and it, it kind of killed me. But I think what, what I expected to happen happened, right? I just chose guys like Peters and EVR as opposed to Cameron champ. Uh, and that's what happens in the 6k range, right? Like I was huge on Gary Woodland and that was too. pretty much yep. a complete train wreck from the jump until I think he eagled, I don't know. I can't remember some something on the back nine where it was he like, all right, out, he hold out on 10. Right. Yeah. And it was like, okay, maybe he's got a shot here. And honestly, I went so overweight on him just because, you know, sometimes you just, you just jam that guy in there. Cause, cause you think he has upside and uh, he had a ton of downside as it turns out. So that whole six K range, I mean, we'll talk about it this show too. Like, there, there, there's a lot of guys in the 6K range I really like. And it's like, be careful how much you fall in love with some of these guys because they look really good on Wednesday night. And then it's, you know, Friday afternoon comes around and you're like, oh, they were 6K for a reason. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love it. Spence, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of messages from people last week that they want a ton of money, whether it's listening to this show or the better golf pod that I do with stick picks from the masters. So, I mean, that was great to see, like there was some 10 figures or $10,000 scores in there. Um, you know, a bunch of people that won hundreds of dollars, a lot of Rory plays that got to the window for, uh, a lot of people that listen, Rory was my big play last week that I was completely overexposed to in all markets that I played him on. Uh, so that was great to see, like, that's obviously at least for me, the number one reason why I put out content and do things. I love to see people find success and and hit the winners. So congratulations to everybody that did that. And uh, as far as our contest went last week, Joel, your lineup was incredible. And it was unfortunate that you also suffered the same Paul Casey fate there because uh, I had a six of six lineup. I had Rory in it. I had Thomas. And even still, you were on my heels the whole week. And 
you probably would have won if you just throw any other person in there. Yeah, and, and I, I know it's not fair to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was planning on taking Lowry instead of Tiger, but I just was more fun to have Tiger in the draft than Lowry, so I took him. So uh, that also probably would have helped that I actually yeah. done that, but here we are as a loser again, going back after it. <laughs> See, how about you? How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, I'm still lamenting the Gary Woodland pick because everything else, I'll admit, I, I didn't have Scheffler and I did fade Cam Smith. So I wasn't going to hit big regardless. But all, all my other picks were kind of lingering around the top 10, the top 20. It was just Gary Woodland. Um, but here's the thing, man. It's so interesting because we love the Masters so much. And I know, Spencer, you're about to do the model breakdown. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep this short. But we got we, we turned the page to the RBC Heritage. And from a DraftKings standpoint, I'm just as excited. Like I, I, it's the same thing on Monday, you know, early afternoon when pricing comes out, it's kind of the same feeling for me. So as disappointing as the masters was for me, and I, I hit some lineups, but I ended up losing money total. I mean, overall, but it's just like, all right, let's, let's take another swing. Like, this is super fun. I can't wait. And I, I'm so excited to see the people in the chat. They look as excited as we are um, to pick some, some players. And for the record, you guys know in the chat that because we have Andy here, we have a guest. It's going to be me and the listeners drafting a team together. It's it's really your show. I'm probably going to be breaking ties, if anything, but same rules. Um, to draft a guy for the listeners, you've got to nominate a guy twice. And once that guy gets nominated a second time, uh, he becomes uh, one of the players on the uh, listeners team. Yes. So, uh, you guys, listeners and Sia drafting together tonight. Um before we get into the draft, of course, we're going to give you the best course breakdown you're going to find from the reigning golf writer of the year, Spence. Hit us with it. What are you looking for here at the Heritage? Yeah, so Harbortown was designed in 1969 by Pete Dye with the help of Jack Nicholas. It was Nicholas's first property that he ever played a helping hand on. But the two of them masterfully pieced together all the components needed for the venue to shine the way it still does today. Narrow landing areas off the tee give us this enclosed feel because of the tree-lined nature. But more importantly, the driving distance for the field gets completely negated because of the positional aspect of the layout. Golfers see a substantial aggregate of 10.8% more second shots from 125 to 200 yards than average. And that overexposure of mid to long iron play makes the 8% decrease in GIR rate that much more noticeable. I do want to note that some of that reduction does stem from the coastal gusts that can cause havoc to the field. But the brunt of that answer is because those greens are on the smaller side of the equation. Sand traps can play a factor since it feels like they're always looming. And the 18 individual water hazards aren't always in play, but can provide some issues here and there. Overall, the high predictive nature of rollover success from course history places the tournament inside the top five when measuring that stat. And the ability to provide a reconfigured tee to green game might be the key to conquering Hilton Head. I will very quickly run through the model so we can get started on the draft, but I will provide a small explanation of my weighted tee to green because I do think it's important. So I started with 30% weighted tee to green. Uh, that's very large for me. And it took a recalculation where 24% of my total came from weighted driving that looked at good drive percentage at short courses and strokes gain off the tee at short courses. I felt like that blueprint was much more conducive to finding sustainable success than a straight off the tee metric. 56% came from a redistributed uh, approach total that focused solely on iron play from 125 to 200 yards. 
As I noted earlier, 10.8% more second shots come from that distance than average. And then I did 20% on a standard around the green composition. My initial numbers believed around the green should have been higher than 20% because of how frequently players find themselves scrambling. But the relative ease of getting up and down reduced some of the impact in my model. I doubled down a little bit by adding 7.5% more on weighted approach and weighted off the tee. You can kind of see where I'm going with my model this week. I did 10% on weighted grass type for 10%. That's essentially just a blend of these Bermuda overseeded properties. 12.5% uh, on both strokes gain total on Pete Dye tracks and at courses under 7,200 yards. I have a little small increment there of 7.5% uh, for wind. I have a par four total, which is weighted for 10%. You can hear a deeper breakdown of that on the Better Golf Pod. And then I finished with par five birdie or better for 10%. That's it. <laughs> That's all you got, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Listen back. It's a great way to kind of find an edge. Who you're looking for this week, guys who will excel. Um, let's move on. We're going to go right to South Carolina. Uh, this is, I think we see it nailed it. This is a great tournament to follow the Masters. It's, it's a tricky course. It's not so straightforward. It kind of gives you a little bit of a challenge from a DFS angle. The, my only qualm about this week is not the tournament. It's the DraftKings competitions. Right? We got spoiled last week with mm -hmm. basically every competition you can want. And now you got to go back to picking and choosing your spots uh, or where you can find the action that you want. But it's going to be fun. So we're going to head right into the draft. Uh, because Spencer won again, he got to pick the order. Uh, and so Spencer will be going first, followed by the audience and Sia. Andy, you'll be drafting third. And I will be drafting fourth again for everyone as a reminder, this is a snake order. So uh, we'll go say in the snake, you know, I'll get two picks and then we'll go back. You have to stay within salary. So just like you would any other DraftKings lineup, obviously make sure you keep that in mind as you make your picks. So with all that being said, Spencer, you are on the clock. Look at that. Jason Day is in my lineup right now. <laughs> go figure on that and i'm probably still living in 2015 i'm wearing an obj giants jersey today i i'm still believing that uh day is winning majors at this point but uh, i think the answer i'm going to give is going to shock most people listening i know everyone always expects me to go wildly off the board at the 101 and if you looked at my model i posted yesterday i doubt you see this answer coming either but i want to talk about the thought process for a second before i give the pick so when we get tournaments like last week's Masters or the RBC Heritage this week, which would be events where course history is highly predictive, it creates a challenging board to decipher through since the chalk choices have a higher percentage chance to find success. All of that isn't some revolutionary concept, but it means more to me when my model can find incongruities that others might be overlooking. So one of the examples I would give is Kepka at the Masters last week. Uh, all iterations of my numbers had him as a poor play. And I thought I was going to have a similar spot this week until I made some minor changes to my model. And this guy shot up to number two. So I am going to take Matthew Fitzpatrick and all of his ownership first overall. Uh, Fitzpatrick was 122nd in my model when I first ran numbers for weighted proximity. But the mistake I think I originally was making was that it doesn't matter where you put him and where you look at the weighted proximity. It's not going to be good. But despite that fact, he still grades 22nd in this field over a two-year sample size for approach. Uh, I don't think it makes any sense to weigh someone down when he's proven that he can get around Harbortown. And I actually think that he provides the best safety and ceiling combination of anyone below 10,000. I can always figure out a way to get unique in other spots. So, uh, I mean, that leaves 
Joel Damon open for Andy. I know we were having a conversation about him before. So I don't know what Andy's plan is, but I am going to take Matthew Fitzpatrick with my first pick. I, I, I like the pick. You know, he hasn't actually made it to my player pool. I, I'm really curious to get Andy's opinion on Fitzpatrick because I think I think you're right from a safety standpoint. I know that there's some conversation about the upside of Matt Fitzpatrick. And I, I'm just curious what Andy's thoughts are on that. I'm in on it. I like it a lot. He's he's in my player pool. Uh, he wasn't on necessarily my draft board because I think I'm just going to try and recreate my $200 single entry team. And he's not in that, but he's in the pool for me. Um, he's also uh, one of my one and done picks this week. Uh, I think I'm similar to Spencer in the sense that I think the only concern that I have with him is ownership. I think it's going to be in the... I have him in like the 17 to 20 range, right? So so not undoable. It still puts you in a position to uh to get different in a lot of spots. So I'm all for it. I love the pick. He's in he's in my pool as well. Fair enough. All right. So we're on the audience. So it's time for and it looks like a lot of people do like your pick there. Um Spencer, let's put some nominations in. Fellas, ladies and gentlemen, I know you guys have mentioned a bunch of guys, uh, but it's nomination time now. So let's see who comes in. Um, everybody at this point just praising the um, the Fitz pick. As soon as as soon as Spencer is done, you guys can start nominating people. As a I quick reminder that- for 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 folks that that we do the draft with Sia, well, the way it's going to work is the audience. You still make all the nominations, and then C is going to make the pick. So instead of waiting for a double nomination, he's just going to pick one of the nominations from the audience. All right. So we have the. It looks like the pick is in. Uh, Model Maniac, thank you for joining us here. And he he nominated Cam Smith, and we had a couple more nominations seeing, for yeah, him. Yeah, seeing a couple Smith Smith yeah. love in there. So I, I saw another guy that that I also liked, but I'm not gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll refuse the table talk. So we'll we'll go with Cam Smith for for our our first guy. I mean, there's not a there's not a ton to argue against Cam Smith. The, the ball striking's been really good. The approach plays, especially recently, last 24 rounds has been really good. I mean, we we know that he's just one of the better guys on tour at this point. Uh, anybody have any opinions about this for our first pick? It's a great pick. I mean, he's right it. now you can, other than Scotty Scheffler, obviously, I mean, he's probably playing as the second best golfer in the world. So uh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think Thomas Cam Smith, um, I mean, of the two guys at the top, I, I probably prefer them over a, a couple other routes. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that the pick is perfectly acceptable though. Let me let me ask Andy something here because mm-hmm. I think the criticism you could offer for Cam Smith is he, he's not necessarily hitting a ton of fairways, and you know on this course, Andy, you do you see a guy like Cam, Cam Smith playing it more conservatively, potentially clubbing down to just you know make sure he's in the fairway, or is it just sort of standard systems go for Cam Smith in your opinion? Well, that's what he should do theoretically, uh, right? I, I don't think that you need to hit a ton of drivers on this course, and and you're right. That has been – I mean, you just had – the stats obviously back this up as well, but you just watch the Masters or you watch the players. The only times when Cam Smith would get himself in trouble is that big left miss, which you saw a couple times on the back nine at the Masters. Um, Harbortown is a course where uh, you don't need to hit driver at all unless you want to, really. Actually, your guy – Spencer had a Jason day had a good quote that I liked a lot where he was like, I hit, I hit driver maybe three times here. 
Um, so I, you know, and it just comes down to, to what Cam Smith wants to do. Uh, he does have a ton of success on, on shorter golf courses. Uh, the Sony open, for example, is another kind of club down course that, that he's won at. And, and I would assume he didn't hit a ton of drivers there. So in terms of the course fit, yeah, I, I like the idea hypothetically of Cam Smith going to a course where he doesn't really have to rely on his driver. Fair enough. Um, we are on to Andy. It is your pick. You can, you got pretty much the whole board other than Matt Fitzpatrick and Cameron Smith. All right. Well, I'm trying to recreate my single entry team here, which is, is not very chalky to be honest with you. There's one, there's one guy that is chalky that I'm worried about, but I have to play. I can't just play the board. I have to play my opponents and I don't, I, I know Spencer likes Joel Damon. Is it Domin or Damon, by the way? I've heard Does it anyone both actually ways. know me too. I, I, I say it both ways. <laughs> okay. I, I think it's Domin. I say it Damon every time. Okay. I feel like I switch sometimes mid show. I'm going to go with, I'm going to take Joel Damon. Um, yeah. At 6,800. I don't know what it was for you, Spencer. I'd be curious to hear, but for me, just something about Damon on these shorter golf courses, he's already one of the most accurate drivers of the ball that you will found. I, I was looking at how players perform off the tee on courses under 7,200 yards. And, and Damon is very close to the top of that list, really underrated short to middle iron player as well. He he's pretty solid with a wedge in his hands and he's quietly been stringing together some solid performances where the putter really hasn't come around too much. Yes yet, but he's hitting the ball well. And I think he's at a phenomenal price. I also bet him at 180 to one, which I just thought was absurd for a player that I know was an alternate field event, but you look at the guys he's priced around. And I mean, at least the guy's proven he can win in the last 16 months. So I, I think Damon is a, uh, is a slam dunk play. And I don't know. I got to ask you guys for you guys that do this every week strategy wise, do most of you guys start at the top of the board or do you ever see a 6,800 guy come off the board so early? So it's, so I'm usually the one that'll take like a middling guy, usually not in the 6k range, but maybe somebody in like the seven or 8k range, just because that's a guy I like that, that I just want to like pull off the board. I, I love what you did there though, because you know, you, you got a guy you like and you free up a lot of cash. You're clearly not concerned about a guy, you know, maybe getting drafted by somebody else up at the top. And, and if you are, you're just, you're just taking that gamble. But I mean, I think this is what the draft is all about. Like, you know, we're, what we're definitely trying not to do is like peel off by tier. Right. So I, I absolutely uh, love this strategy. Yeah. Unless I, you, Sorry, Joel, you can go first. I was saying I subscribe to your strategy. I do. That's what I was. My strategy last week was mm. take the value plays because, I mean, not to divulge to you guys because I am trying to beat you here, but what does happen is there's probably less value plays that we all like than the top of the board, right? Like you'd probably be okay with settling for a Patrick Cantlay if he didn't go at the top mm -hmm. later in the draft than you would for settling for the other 6,800 guys that you'd have to go for late. So I think from a strategy standpoint, it benefits to get your value plays early. I would agree with that also. I think unless there's somebody that you absolutely love at the top, I tend to think that those value plays are the best way to play it early on. Love it. Um, love so, it. Joel, you got back-to-back -back picks, but I do want to – there's a lot of comments in here, a lot of good ones, but this is the best one by far. Only folks who hit the like button should be able to vote. Uh, for those of you that, watch, that are watching, I assume you know how to hit the like button. I don't know how many likes we have. Maybe you already have, but if you haven't, 
Um, you should really do that every week, like before maybe even the show starts, just hit the like button or certainly as the show is starting. So we're going to let you vote regardless, but I'm, I, I think we're trusting you to hit the like button because that, that helps the viewership of this show and the show in general. So we'd, we'd really appreciate that. But Joel, it's on you, buddy. I appreciate that. Um, I agree that that is a good rule. So I'm going to like that comment as a reciprocal. See what we did there? We all like everyone liking it. Anyway, my pick. So I'm going to I'm going to stick with that strategy. I'm going to go with my value plays. I'm in the 7K range. There's a handful of guys down here that I really like this week. Um, two in particular, three in particular who I like a bit more than the rest. So I'm trying to contemplate which route I'm going to go with them. Um I know one a lot of people like, and I feel like the ownership might be a little too high, but he's just playing so well. It's hard to get away from Adam Hadwin. Um, Adam Hadwin's recent form has just been, you know, do I see him getting a fourth top 10 in a row? I don't know, but this course does set up well for him. Um, Again, at 7,600, it just seems like too good of a price for the way he's playing. So I want to start there, and then I'm going to follow that up in the same kind of value range with uh, Kevin Stroman. Again, Kevin Stroman's a guy, this is a course that, similar to last week, uh, tends to be predictive in guys who do well here. He's had plenty of success on this course with Kevin Stroman has two top tens in his last five tries, tied for 33rd last time out. But he's also playing really well in that in his last three outings, tied for 22nd, 7th, and 18th. So that combination of form and course, I think, look really well for him. And I can start off my team with two value plays and then really hone in on the upper tier from here. Fair enough. Love I don't it. mind it. The, the approach play has been a little spotty for him, but I would take, if, if I'm weighing the, that against the course history, I'm, I'm going to lean towards the course history with that specific uh, case study in Kevin Streelman. So um, that's definitely a guy I had my eye on as well. Yeah. My model really liked Kevin Streelman also. I had him 14th overall. And um, I mean, I guess the only downside I would say to it, and, and this isn't an ownership perspective of it, but I mean, it thought he was a better cash play than anything else, but uh, if he's only going to be 10% owned, I certainly think he comes into play for GPPs too. Yep. Because it's a good number on him. Like you can definitely make an argument that uh, he should have been, you know, I I think you could have put him in like the low $8,000 range and been perfectly fine with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a few guys in this tournament that their price is is a, is curiously off. But I mean, you, you gotta you gotta slot these guys somewhere. So I kind of get it. But uh, Andy, it's back on you, buddy. Well, you know it's tough because that was a, I wish Spencer had like put out his. I haven't listened to any. I don't know what you guys think are thinking <laughs> right now outside of outside of Damon. Uh, previously Domin a couple minutes ago. Um, so I, I guess I'm just going to assume that you guys agree with where the general public is going and probably take the guy that I think is going to have the highest projected ownership that I'm going to play, which is Corey Connors at 9,700. Mm, I love uh, that. I think Connors is good shot. I think Connors is going to win. I bet him to win at, at 28 to one. I think Connors is good shock. He was good shock last week. Uh, and I, I didn't think he was. And I just, he's going to a course that I think suits his game even better for the masters. We know he's in great form. He's actually putted pretty well on these greens before and on this specific overseeded surface. Um, I, if I was designing a golf course for Corey Connors, I'd, I'd probably design something very close to Harbortown. So I don't think there's there's too much more to say. I think the only concern 
with Connors is same with Fitzpatrick, right? Is he's probably probably going to be 18 ish at least would, would be my guess. I don't know. There are a lot of guys in the nines that are good options. Uh, but I think he's a, I think he's a slam dunk this week. Yeah. yeah I, I think there's three guys in the nine thousands that are probably good chalk and uh, Fitzpatrick would be one Connors would be the second. And then the third one is still on the board. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping can't reveal I, it. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping the audience ends up nominating the, the third one. Cause I think I know, well, there's one or two options there, but I think, I think you're referring to one in particular, a guy I don't normally play, but I'm going to be playing this week. So uh, audience listeners, it is time for nominations. Um, yeah. People definitely like the Connors pick. All right. We have a, a nomination coming in from Danny. Uh, that would need to be seconded. That might be one of the two that, that I was thinking of that Spencer was referring to, but um, who else we got? All right. Um, shout out to Model Maniac. Uh, we when we did that uh, Roto Baller thing versus Windelly Sports a few weeks ago, the consequences for us winning was that Model Maniac uh, Byron had to in his show incorporate three phrases tonight on his show at seven o'clock tonight uh, that were like kind of funny phrases. And so one of them was Kevin Sodium instead of Kevin Non. He kept saying, it and I thought it was hilarious. So um, it looks like. Joaquin Neiman is going to be on our team. Uh, okay. Uh, listen, I, I don't mind that pick. He's mm-hmm. certainly seems like a good course fit. Um, any thoughts, anybody? Like it. No problems with Neiman here. He finished fifth here, uh, I think, in 2020. Didn't play yep. here last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a great driver of the ball, so so you wonder a little bit, okay, is this a course that maybe takes out the best weapon? Uh, but he's obviously had some some success here before. And I think he will be, I don't want to say that he's going to get squeezed in the nine K range, but I mean, he's right next to Henley. I don't, I, I think his ownership will be manageable as well. So I, I, I like the pick. Yeah. I think we're getting Joaquin Neiman right now at a time where Cam Smith was maybe at this point last year. Right? I think he is a mm-hmm. better golfer than he's getting credit for. And mm-hmm. he's just going to continue to rise and rise. And so, you know, I think at this 9,100 point, I think it's still a pretty good price compared to the other guys in that range. I think you're getting a good value with him here at, at that number. Yeah, I don't mind it. I, I, I agree with the sentiment that the the off the tee game has been stellar and that might be sort of mitigated here a little bit. The putter's been, it hasn't been bad, but it hasn't been good either over the last um, four tournaments or so. But yeah, I mean, when Neiman has plenty of upside, and that's definitely something you know you should be looking for when you're drafting your your GPP team. So I don't, I don't mind that pick at all. Spencer, back to back. All right. So with the first play, and maybe I'm a glutton for punishment with this guy at this point. And uh, Stick Picks is on his honeymoon in Jamaica. I didn't get an opportunity to talk to him, and sometimes he tries to talk me out of going this route, but. I'm going to take Webb Simpson at 8,800. I know there's concerns with the health. He says he's fine. That's all I can trust at this point. And nobody rolls over their course history better than Webb Simpson does. So if I believe that his game is turning around, um, I think at 8,800 that the price is way too low. I mean, we just look at his course history, ninth in 2021, the win in 2020. Um, You have three top 16s outside of that. So I like Webb Simpson for my first pick. And then for the second selection, uh, I'm going to go. I I need to, I have a lot of ownership right now with Webb and Fitzpatrick. So I need to find somebody that's going to take down the ownership for me a bit. 
And this was a player that I bet at the RBC Heritage in 2021. On Thursday, he imploded. He was near the bottom of the leaderboard. Uh, like, I mean, he was uh, certainly going to miss the cut. And then he started storming up the leaderboard on Friday. He had a couple close misses that unfortunately, you know, if he makes them, he makes the cut on nine or 18. I don't know which hole it was at the time. And uh, he makes that one. Then he definitely makes it. And it was a good look. But I don't know if he would have been taken, but I am going to take Tommy Fleetwood at 8,200. Oh, God. Are you serious? <laughs> this really? is what it gets good. This is oh what it gets God. good. Oh my God. He's like the best play on the board. He's going to be like 7%. Oh my God. <laughs> I think, I think Fleetwood's a really good play also oh for one and done contest, especially if you're making two picks. Like the Fitzpatrick Fleetwood route is probably my favorite route to go this week. Uh, if you are making two selections there and uh, kind of, as Andy said, like, even if you look at all the offshore markets on him, he is a massive favorite against pretty much everybody. That number has come down. You can find him 55 to one on DraftKings still, but on some of the sharper markets, he's down to 40 to one. And I just think this is a really good course for him. Like if you remove the missed cut from my model last year, he jumps up to ninth overall. So I think we're getting a top 10 player in the low $8,000 range. I'm so rattled. I'm so <laughs> rattled. <laughs> That's great. That is a super sneaky pick. Uh, I absolutely love it. Um, audience, it is on you to uh, have a couple nominations here. Or actually just nominate so we can pick the one player. We got Cameron Smith. We got Joaquin Neiman. It looks like we have about 7500 left. So you consider a lower-priced option. You can you can still consider a higher-priced option because I don't mind going stars and scrubs. Really, really up to you. We got Zach has a nomination in. Jason has a nomination in. Okay. And uh, we got Byron. So it's going to be, oh, wait, did we get two? Yeah, we got two for Matt Kuchar. I mean, obviously the course history is is fantastic for Kuchar. He's in good form. Uh, it's a good course fit, which is reflected by the course history. Uh, you know, percent, ownership percentage-wise, I'm curious uh, where he's at. He's, he's got to be up there, right, guys? I think so. I think I, he'll be like 13, 14, right? I see him at 12 and a half. So yeah, 13, 14 is probably a reasonable total. I mean, he's in the, my numbers have him in the top 15 right now for ownership. Yeah. It's pretty high given the seven K range um, is like replete with, you know, really a lot of guys you, you might want to take, but I don't mind the Kucher play at all. Um, I don't yeah, either. Um, yeah. All right, Andy. I'm so rattled. I'm like going through <laughs> DraftKings. I'm rebuilding stuff. Nothing that I like works the way that the previous one works. I'm going to take Mav McNeely mm. at 7,900. I bet Mav to win. Uh, he's going to be prominently featured in, in my DraftKings lineups. I think his ownership is going to be fine. I just think there are a lot of good options in this broader range this week where I haven't seen the chatter uh, surrounding McNeely than I, I think I would have expected. At mm -hmm. the beginning of the week, uh, he finished fourth here last year. He's hitting the ball great. Uh, I think people just kind of forgot about him a little bit because he wasn't in the Masters field. And, you know, he's probably played the best out of anyone at the match play to not make it out of the group stage. Uh, yeah. So I, I think you're getting uh, a little bit of value here uh, on Matt McNeely, both in terms of, of price and price and ownership. Yeah. I think Andy brings up a good point in general. Like there are a handful of players that I like this week, but it's a tough tournament. Like 
as soon as you lose a guy like Tommy Fleetwood in this example, it becomes difficult to try to find a replacement for them. Like a lot of the guys that I found to have an edge, uh, there's one player in that range. And if you don't land that player, then you kind of run into some problems with it. So I, I definitely feel for Andy with what he said there. Like that makes a lot of sense. That was my biggest concern with the way I was going to construct my lineup. It's like, man, if I don't get Tommy Fleetwood, like I don't really know what I'm going to do with the rest of my build at this point. I can't believe that's where we're at with Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> well, I mean, I get it. are usually like the same guys. And, and a lot of the time, those guys aren't super public picks. Right. So yeah. I should have known that he was going to be sharp enough to be on Fleetwood. Fair enough. Speaking of sharps, Joel, you got two picks. All right. Well, I'm going to stick with my team. I'm, I'm looking at the board here. I'm, I'm playing a little strategy. I do see Andy has one big pick left, so he could steal one of my guys. But – I'm sticking in the value range. The first guy who I just like the way he's hitting, and he, he really struck the ball well. I think his game is going to be a good fit for this course is Kevin Knott. Um, I really like his short game. I think it's a really fair price for him here. So I really like how I can round out my roster. And right in that same price range, I'm going to follow him up with Brian Harmon. Here's another guy who you can, you know, again, below the 8K range, has a good course history here. You know, it does have enough upside to get you that top 15, which you'll need to catch in these big GPPs. Um, so now I feel good about my my, my kind of core here, my solid plays. And now I get to pick and choose up top who I'm going to fit in, in in terms of the best golfers in the world. Kevin Na gained 9.44 strokes on approach at the Masters. That's like unbelievable. I'm just so shocked by it. I mean, prior to that, it wasn't, it wasn't great, at least a couple tournaments prior to that, but – yeah, I mean, if that approach play is on point and if the putter gets hot, I, I totally get it. Certainly a good course fit. That's good probably pick. the route I would have gone if I didn't get Fleetwood is either a Nah or Harmon route with it. I, I think Harmon's going to probably be a little bit more popular than Nah would be. So maybe Nah would have been the selection I would have made if it came down to that. But I uh, I bet Kevin Nod to win this tournament at 60 to 1. I know a lot of people bet him. I don't necessarily love that aspect with it, but I think it's a really good price at 60 to one. I think that this is a sneaky course for him where like anytime that you remove driving distance from the equation, guys like Harmon and Nah are going to jump models. Mm -hmm. Right. And as Andy is considering his pick, I do want to tell the audience. So it looks like what do we have like 7,400 uh, and change left for our next three picks. So think strategically, you know, you, maybe you want to just have some mid-tier plays the rest of the way, which is totally fine. Or maybe you want to, you know, go dip down low or go highs and then dip low later. So just kind of consider the, the, the type of golfer you want uh, the next, the, the rest of the way so that uh, you're not stuck with somebody you don't like at the very end. Andy, it's on you. Oh man, this is, I'm just, it's so, it's all ruined uh, at this <laughs> point. I, okay. I'm just, now I'm audibling from, from my normal strategy. I might as well just say it because I'm not going to pick him, but I can't believe the ownership on Cantlay and I don't understand the lack of public sentiment on him. It, it, it does not make sense to me how, how quickly people change. I mean, we were talking about this guy, uh, I don't know, three months ago is potentially the best player in the world. And then we go to the two most variable tournaments of the year, 
the players and the match play and he doesn't play well, which is kind of a natural letdown spot for him. He never plays well at those tournaments. And then we get him at the masters and he gained seven strokes ball striking and loses six strokes putting and was one stroke off the lead on Friday afternoon before bogeying the final three holes. I think he's a slam dunk this week at like 10%. That's, that's Looney tunes. That's Looney tunes. He's got three top sixes here. Anyway, I can't pick him because he doesn't fit with the rest of my team. So I'm going to pick Daniel Berger instead, who I also think is going to come in at reasonable ownership or lower ownership than he should be. Um, When he was shooting his 80 in the final round of the Masters, I said, okay, this is good, I think, for people that like Daniel Berger this week. And he was bad at Augusta. Of course, that's a concern, but this is – this is a much better spot for Berger, obviously. And I think you're getting him at, at solid ownership. He was actually the number one guy in my model. So I feel okay about where I'm at with the, I don't think a Berger Connors start is going to be too, you know, I could see people doing that, but I, I think I'm going to be okay on the ownership front. I bit my tongue at the beginning when I was talking about Cameron Smith and I I mentioned Justin Thomas and uh, the player that I wanted to say, and I was like, well, I don't know how this roster is going to be built for me. So I don't want to throw the name out there would be Patrick Cantlay. So I want to double down that thought with what Andy said. I think he is probably the best player $10,000 and above, especially when you take the leverage aspect of it. So uh, I really like the Cantlay pick and I don't, well, I don't know if I should be saying that with, I guess I didn't realize that Joel still had so much money left on the board, but Joel uh, is going to make his own decision with it. I don't think I'm going to influence him. All right. So I want to do something a little different um, and maybe have a, I mean, so we have a lot of nominations in and it looks like they're all in the 6k range, which I actually prefer uh, for this pick. And a lot of them, a lot of the guys you guys mentioned are, are guys I like. So I want to narrow it down to like four or five guys that you all picked and maybe add one and then have you guys kind of revote. Um, I'm seeing Wesley Bryan again. Uh, I like that. And sorry, this is a little table talkish, but I want to, I, I just, I think this is, a, it'll be a fun exercise. So there's another one, Doc Redman, Naismith. Okay. So you get to choose from five guys, Naismith, Doc Redman, Wes Bryan, Michael Thompson, and did I already say Wesley Bryan? You get yeah. Lashley and Brian, in there and Brian too? Stewart. And Brian Stewart. What'd you say? Okay. I saw Lashley in there too. Yeah, oh yeah, Lashley's in there. I, okay. I just don't think I want to play him this week. But yeah, <laughs> let's make it Lashley. Let's make it Lashley instead of Stewart. He's he's been solid. He's he's been good. So let's kind of like narrow it down to that. Let's get two nominations for one of those guys I just mentioned. I mean, it looks like it's either Wes Bryan or Naismith to me. And Neesmith's going to be a little chalky. I don't know how much you have to worry about that, but I yeah. probably think he's, I think he's going to be the highest owned guy in the sixes. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Wes, Wes, Wes's approach game. It's not like fully back, but it's not bad. And he's clearly comfortable here fighting. You know, he's on conditional status and he's still fighting for his card. I feel like Wes Bryan's kind of sneaky. Andy, what are your thoughts on Wes Bryan? He's fine. I mean, he, he made the cut for me at the Valspar. He didn't really uh, come up for me a, a, a ton this week. So he isn't, he isn't in the preliminary pool, but you know, obviously he's a former winner who, who tends to play well on these shorter Bermuda courses. So I don't hate it by any means. I think all these guys, Stewart, 
I think I'm seeing I'm seeing a little steward in the chat, and he's kind of the prototypical. Anytime you have a course with narrow fairways and shorter, he's he's probably in play. So I think you could go in any of these directions and be okay with it. All right, so I'm going to make an executive decision. It looks like a few of you are going to back this, including Zach and uh, Jason. I want to go with Wesley Bryan. I just got a feeling okay. on that. It's it's such a nice money saver too, uh, and and yeah. I I genuinely think he might make the cut here. And and oh, he's really I, cheap, <laughs> really cheap. cheap. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So uh, I'm you know the history here tells me a lot. The recent play tells me a lot that maybe he's over the issues he was having over the last year or two. So. Uh, I think that's a good play. We're going to stick with that. Yeah. And even like, I mean, 6,100 is a really good price, but you can see why he's had so much success here. When I look at my weighted approach numbers, he's sixth in this field. So um, there's a reason why he's a former winner of this tournament, I think. And, and 6,100 is in my opinion, definitely too cheap. There's volatility. He could miss the cut. I don't love that. He's 4%. That's still fine, obviously, but um yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody lower than 6,500 that I would like more than him. Like, I'm scrolling through names, and he would probably be the one that uh, is probably maybe the only playable one in my mind. Gotcha. All right. All right. Speaking of, go ahead. All right. So, in my mind, there are two players, and I guess. I mean, the show's gone rogue at this point with how much Andy and I have talked about certain players that are still left on the board. So I'm probably going to do it again. Uh, I'll just throw out two names that I really like in the $9,000 range. So the other player that I thought was good chalk was Russell Henley. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go there because I don't really want to start a build Fitzpatrick and Henley. I, I think that that's going to be duplicated quite a bit. Yeah. So I am going to instead go with the $9,000 golfer that I think will give me some leverage or a lot of leverage. And that is Sung JM. Um, I think Sung JM makes a lot of sense as an outright bet. Also, you can get him at 40 to one. He's kind of a forgotten player. So like if we're looking in the $9,000 range, I would probably say outside of Fitzpatrick, my two favorite plays uh, to at least consider for betting would probably be Connors and Sung JM. The one difference and the reason why I landed on Sung J over Connors Connors is 25 to one. Sungjae's 40 to one. I think you could make an argument that Sungjae might have better win equity. I mean, it's yeah. very close either way with it. But uh, if you're going to tell me that I can get a less than 10% owned Sungjae, I like going that route with it. And then for my second pick, this is this is kind of living dangerously. I, I liked him at the Masters. I kind of talked him up a little bit. It didn't work. Um... The one time he played it was in 2020, uh, which were under different conditions at the time. So, I mean, that's something to at least consider. And the form doesn't look great, but I'm going to take Eric Van Royen at 7,300. Mm. There yeah. are so many things about my model. So when I look at weighted T to green, he's 20th overall versus 45th. So he's one of the big climbers for me there. Uh, the weighted off the T plus approach places him inside the top 15. He's been good on this type of grass. The par five scoring is going to be good. And surprisingly, you remove the driver from his hands and he actually seems to sometimes find a little bit more success because he doesn't get himself into trouble. So uh, it's a very volatile pick, but I am going to take Van Royen. That's a good pick, Spencer. We're on the same page on a lot. He popped for me a little bit too. Uh, I like that pick a lot. Thanks. That, that putter is going to have to 
going to have to get fixed, which you could say about like two thirds of this field, but that would probably be one of the, you know, the, I, I like the taking the driver out of his hand thing, but the short game is, is a little questionable, but that's, yeah. that's the only criticism I'd have there. It is. I mean, obviously like the around the green game is a little troublesome. Um, the one thing I like though, is when I looked at these overseeded Bermuda surfaces and I did put some putting into the mix with it. He did see a substantial jump in my model um, with, in fairness, some of that is strokes gain total that goes into play with yeah. it too. Uh, but he was a climber. And I mean, that is at least important to me. That that might be it for me too. That might be why he, he was rating so highly for me too. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So it is on the audience. We got two picks left. We got about 8,100 left. And waiting for some, by the way, it's really, oh, we have one nomination that I, I just completely missed. Um, okay. Um, we just had an EVR question, Spencer, and then you selected EVR. So I guess that answers that question. A uh, couple nominations coming in. Nobody's been seconded yet. All right. Another nomination that uh, has not been seconded. All decent picks. Byron, that one is speaking of volatility. That one is questionable. Um, I, I okay, just want to have throw it out one. there. I actually yeah. like the play that Byron said. It's very okay. volatile, but it's yeah. uh, I, I like it. No, and, and, and for the record, like I say it's volatile, but like that's that is how you win GPPs. Like GPPs, volatile players that aren't, you know, high owned. I, I totally get it. Okay, Norn Norn is definitely Norn's, our guy. Norn's getting the most love for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's gotten actually four <laughs> nominations at this point. Sorry about that. Okay, thank you, Edward, Danny. Uh, Will, and then thank you everybody else for nominating all the other guys. We got one player left and we have 7,900 to do it. And we have a few minutes uh, because it's on Andy and then Joel for back-to-back -back picks. All right. Well, I got to play, I got to play Joel. So I think I probably should take the higher price guy because he's got a lot of money left on the table. So I don't think he's going to take like my seven, seven K guy. I'm going to take Billy Horschel here. Mm. He's 8,700. He's playing great golf. Uh, I bet him in a matchup against Hatton on Sunday because I just know that Billy cares. Uh, and he won by, I think, 12 strokes. Um, he, he just, he likes these courses. He's won at the Wyndham before. He's played well at this course before. Uh, I, I think this is one of the spots on, on the schedule where he's, he's licking his chops and thinks he can legitimately win. I know we don't have the most data from it, but I actually really like Austin Country Club in, in terms of a comp to this one. So he wasn't in the original outline, but he is a guy I'm going to play this week. And I was a little surprised about the price and ownership and the lack of chatter about him this week. I was just a little, because you can find him at like 45 to one this week. And, and, you know, Billy will garner ownership despite the fact that a lot of people don't root for him on the golf course. And, it, it feels like he's he's getting a little bit forgotten this week for whatever reason. So I, I'm happy to play Billy here at 8,700. Yeah, yeah. And the, go ahead. I, I was just going to say the approach play has been really good, surprisingly good for him. Go at ahead, the Masters, too. If you look at the the stats from the Masters, which I don't know how super accurate those are from data golf, but he hit his irons really well there, too. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say, I think Horschel is an extremely intriguing pivot, and uh, if I didn't take Webb, that was probably the route I was going to go with Horschel because I, I think he is going to go under owned. And I think that 
I mean, right now I see sub 10% on him and he definitely has win equity in this tournament. Yeah. Hey, while Joel is considering his, his last two picks, Andy, do you mind taking a minute? I think everybody watching knows where to find you, but can you just kind of tell us really quick, you know, like your podcast, your partnership with, with Rick, maybe, maybe everybody doesn't know that probably they do, but just, can you just kind of run through that real quick or maybe something cool that you have coming up? Sure. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a lot, uh, that I do. You can find all my stuff on, on Twitter, ADP wax sports, but yeah, I have a podcast, uh, inside golf podcast, check it out. Um, people seem to like it sometimes. Um, it's, I do a, a an in-depth ish course breakdown on, on Sunday and generally rant about some stuff. And then on Tuesday, I'll, I'll bring on a guest and we'll kind of break down the entire board and talk some DraftKings too. And then, yeah, I do a bunch of uh, written work for for Rick. We work on a lot of those tools. I work pretty much full time for him now. the The podcast is under his name, and we're working on a bunch of we're working on adding a bunch of stuff over there. and And I have a a full like DFS article report that I do, and a full course breakdown. and It's a it's a really great Slack channel that you could always reach me in. So. Yeah, head on over to rickrungood.com, coupon code Andy, and and you can pretty much find all my all my work over there. I appreciate you you giving me the chance to plug Sia. Thank you, sir. Yeah, and by the way, I, I you know I'm a member of rickrungood.com. I think you know what, like just FYI, I think that's a really maybe like the 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 best site for any of the the golf stats you need or really they're all like, good. Frank, they're all yeah. really good. I, I I love them all, and 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 I. I pull a little from each one, but I would mm-hmm. never put, I put my name behind the one that I, that I thought had the most legs. Yeah. I, I think it's a, it's really the, the site I lean on the most, but and it's not even really close. And that, again, that's no disrespect to any of the other um, specific golf sites, you know, when daily, of course we do golf, but obviously we do literally every other sport too. So maybe <laughs> if there were two memberships to get certainly would be Win daily and uh, rickrungood.com. But the, the work over there, Andy is, is awesome. So uh, we appreciate you for that. And, and one more thing, so I don't want to delay too much, but this applies to you, correct? Oh, the yeah. John Mayer pop. Yeah. We even got a, the IGP listeners, they're everywhere. They're they're super they're super look at them. They're just popping out of the woodworks everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I've been teasing this 90-minute John Mayer career deep dive that's coming out Zurich week. And release the mayor pod on Twitter was actually it was going for a while. So I appreciate everyone uh saying that. One week, guys. It's coming out in a week. It's coming out in a week. But I love I love that those guys are in the chat. That's awesome. Thank that you, is, Will. Thank you, Jack. Zach, sorry. That means a lot. Thanks. That's guys. really cool. Last thing. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page. Obviously, sign up for Win Daily if you can as well. I think you still can get a week membership for free. Most of the people listening probably are members. I will say this. Subscribing and setting alerts uh, for our Win Daily YouTube page is pretty important. I posted something like a month and a half ago where my buddy, who really isn't really that dialed in to NBA DFS, happened to get a notification while he was trying to like something that I was doing, I think, for the first cut. He saw that Win Daily was doing an NBA show, and I tweeted this like so you can go in and see the verification of it. But he literally listened to our NBA DFS show, which none of us do, it's, it's other people. Um, 
uh, from Win Daily. And he won like 2,500 that night, just playing like three tournaments. It was like a $15 buy-in, maybe a $33 buy-in and a $12 buy-in. And he basically came in first in all of them. So my point is that's not going to happen all the time. But if you set your alerts, you can dial in, take the information, apply what you need. But I definitely would like everybody to go to the Win Daily Sports YouTube page and uh, make sure you set your notifications to on. Joel, sorry for all that stalling. Hopefully it helped. No, no, no. This, that was great stuff. Andy, I, I've read a lot of your content. It's really great stuff. And, you know, a lot, so is the Wind Daily stuff. I, what I always say to people is, I mean, you, you heard Andy, you hear us, we spend a stupid amount of time researching this stuff. If you're going to put money into contests to bet against people, at least get the information we're giving you. We've put the effort and time into doing it. You can get that information and make educated decisions on how you make your picks. And you don't have to spend as much time as we do doing the research. You can just get the information that we give to you on shows like this. So with that being said, I have two picks left and I have a lot of money to spend. So I'm going to get who I want. You guys made a really good point with Patrick Hanley earlier. He was someone I, I thought hard about, I considered, but I'm going a different direction. I'm going with Colin Morikawa. Yeah. Colin Morikawa, who he, somebody is, had to uh, take him. The best yeah. golfers in the world. You know, at this point now, I mean, he's, he's, there's three guys that are higher priced than him. Um, you know, he can go out and win any tournament that he plays in. So um, I really like Colin here, um, especially, you know, his ownership. It's, it's not low, but it's definitely not high. So I'm comfortable in the ownership number I'm getting on him. And then I'm going to round out my, my roster with Russell Henley. Russell Henley, is, again, I've said this earlier in the year and when I draft him on my team, he's not a guy I, I normally like to go to. But he's just been playing so well. I mean, he has been playing – um, and it's, it's not just a couple weeks. His recent form has really been excellent. And so at the 9K range, I'm comfortable with, with how this how he's been playing on a course that really should suit him. Your lineup looks really good on paper. Yeah. I would it's say absurd. if you didn't have Kevin Strillman, there's a decent chance you get duped. But Kevin Strillman might be the guy that that saves you. You <laughs> might be battling Strillman versus, uh, versus one other guy. But that one looks that looks good on paper, I got to say. It looks really yeah. good on paper. Well, thank I you. love it. I love it. Yeah, I right, think Andy. you. I oh, think you also grabbed a lot of like. If you did grab one of the chalkier choices, you grabbed all the good chalk choices in my yeah. mind. So that that's a great thing. Yeah, Hadwin's underpriced. That's going to be a tough decision because he'll be twenty percent. But he is. I mean, he can fit with so many different builds. Um, so I'm a little jealous of that one. All right. So I have seventy three hundred. Uh, I'm leaving, uh, I'm going to end up leaving a hundred dollars on the, on the table here, which I feel comfortable with and take Denny McCarthy at 7,200, who is going to be probably 5% max. If I, if I had to guess, I mean, I've heard a, a little bit of, of chatter about him this week. There's some other sharper guys that, that I talked to that are a little bit on the Denny train, but I think what brings me to Denny this week is we've seen an uptick in his ball striking lately, right? And and what's the one thing that we know about Denny is that he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. By the way, this specific surface is actually his best surface. So, you know, he can putt well anywhere, but this is probably the surface that he's most comfortable on. Uh, and he has quietly had a really good season in terms of if we're talking like DraftKings low-owned 7,200 guy, like – He's finished in the top 25 in 50% of the tournaments that he's played in dating back to the fall swing. So like he's a guy that can make a cut for you and finish like T18 easily. And I think I have enough win equity closer to the top 
between McNeely and Connors and Berger and Horschel that I can I can rely on somebody that I think is a pretty good bet to finish T twenty five ish. And if he does happen to have one of those plus six, plus seven putting weeks, maybe I get something a little bit better out of that. But I think Denny's a, a sharp play this week, and I'm I'm happy to fill him out here in uh, at seventy two hundred. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind it. I think he's definitely going to be low owned for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we yeah. know he can pop with the putter. Uh, that that being his best surface, that's good. People are going to look at the approach numbers and, you know, especially over the last, like, let's say 24 or 16 or whatever they decide to look at, you know, 36. And it's not great, but you're right. It, it's trending up. You want to get that guy early before it's it shows. It's heading in great. the right direction. Yeah. yeah. It's he- I liked what I saw at the Valero in his last start. I'll mm-hmm. say that. Um, all right, we've got uh, the audience team. We have one vote already in, so you can. We have seventy nine hundred left. There's a few guys I have my eye on here that I that I would like. Um, the person who was nominated is happens to be one of them. There's there's a really sneaky guy in there that somebody had previously nominated um, that I like as well. But uh, what are the other nominations? Okay, we've got two, three. Oh wow, that's really sneaky. I like. Wow, those I last like that two. a lot. Like okay, those. so. Th- Zach, good ones. yeah, so Zach just said the, the guy I was just thinking of, but Ivan said a guy that I wasn't thinking of that I should have been. So I honestly think we should go with one of those two. Well, you're leaving a lot of money on, you're leaving like 800 bucks on the table if you go that direction, which right, I don't know if you feel comfortable with. I do in this tournament specifically, actually. Okay. I, I just think the way it's the talent is spread out. Okay, we got the second nomination for Pat and Kazire. Dude, I think that's a great chance to take. It leaves a lot of money. We're definitely going to be different. We're leaving a ton of money on the table. And I, everybody's ignoring Kazire for the most part. Well, actually, I don't know that for a fact. I'm not looking at ownership numbers right now. Can somebody check me on that? Yeah, they are. I have him 5%, maybe. What about you, Spencer? Yeah, yeah 5.6%. Which, by the way, so his last start at the Valero, he's 8,122%. And he yeah. misses the cut. I think by a stroke or two only because he loses strokes putting. He actually hit the ball fine. And now he's a thousand dollars. I know it's a little bit of a worse field, but he's a thousand dollars cheaper and a fraction of the ownership. That's right. kind of the point I was making a little bit with Cantley. It's like, I, I just, I think you can really capitalize on how quickly people move on specifically in DraftKings, And, and it always alarms me that, Another quick plug on Rick Rungood, where you can you can see how ownership changes on players from tournament to tournament. And I'm always shocked by the giant swings between mm-hmm. some players, between guys that everybody loves one week and how everybody is just off them if they burn them. I, I, I think you can you can really take advantage of that here, particularly with Kazire being a good example. Yeah, recency bias across really all sports, or really across life, it, it's such a funny thing. I mean, that's like for another episode that might you know be outside of golf too. But y- you're right. Like we have a we we look at like the last 36 rounds, or in Spencer's case, the last 200, or in my case, sometimes 24, 36. And it's funny we, we look at that, but then we see a guy who just had two bad rounds, like last week or the week before, and we're like, okay, that's enough of a sin. Even though I typically look at much more than that, I'm just going to look at that because. Uh, that was the most recent thing that occurred. So I actually think a Cantlay-Kazire start to a mm. lineup is super, super sneaky. And for the record, Kazire's gained there. on a... What's that? I said, I'll be there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I got to build a team like that. But 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 I'll say this: he's gained on approach the last six times out. I mean, this is definitely an approach course. The putter, it, it can get a little cold sometimes, but more often than not, he's gaining and he can really pop with it too. So it's a really good setup for a guy who's dialed in on approach and who can pop with the putter at that price. I just absolutely love the upside. I do want to bring up Fratelli because that was another guy I was thinking of that I think is really sneaky that likely has very low ownership. But anyway, without further ado, Je- Spencer. Jesse's a little squeamish about the money on the table. Jesse's saying, ah, I'm oh. getting a little too frisky with Kazire here. Yeah, I mean, that's how it, it ended up. Like, I would have been fine with Hoagie or Fratelli, but again, this week, I, you know, I, another thing Rick does, he, he puts out the optimal lineup. And, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying any of us are going to have the optimal lineup, but the reality is, especially in this tournament with – to me, the seven and eight K range and up into the nine K, it's so rich with talent. I, mean, I think yeah. there's some guys that are just frankly mispriced, uh, and, and and I think that's going to be reflected in a lot of people leaving money on the table. Yeah, yeah. One thing that we've C and I have said for a long time is, if you like someone last week and they had a bad week, that's probably more reason to go back to them because that just mm-hmm. means their DFS percentage is going to go, their ownership percentage is going to go down and. They're probably not a completely different golfer after one week, right? <laughs> There's more to look at than, than one week. So typically that doesn't mean you should get off somebody after one week. If you like them before, it's probably a good reason to go back to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got Wesley at 6,100, which, you know, you could easily have made, I would have believed you if you said he was 6,700. Yeah. yeah. And, and just to throw it out there, like one of the problems that the audience and Sia ran into is Joel kind of ate up that mid $7,000 range. Yeah. Like there was a lot of players there that made a, a ton of sense. And I mean, maybe Tom Hoagie, maybe Ian Poulter. Those were two guys that I kind of like a little bit this week. But um, I mean, if it's not those two, I don't really mind leaving a bunch of money on the table and dropping down either. But yep. uh, I guess I will take us home here with the final pick. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't bring him up because uh, Model Maniac mentioned him. I can't have a lineup with Cameron Davis, Eric Van Royen, Webb Simpson with whatever's <laughs> going on with his neck. I mean, like even Fleetwood to a lesser extent with it. Sung Jay's irons are all over the place. Like I can't go that route and feel okay with my lineup. And so it kind of puts me in a precarious position right now. Uh, I do think Davis has top 10 upside, but I also think he's Probably one of the more likely people to miss the cut. You're either going to get one or two things with him. But, I mean, in an ideal world, if it makes you feel any better, Andy, I wish Joel Damon would have been here for me. Like, I, <laughs> this would be the lineup that I would like to end up with him right now. And that was kind of my hope of how to go with this. But with that not being an option... <clears throat> You would think I'd have an answer. I've had enough time to think about this through the conversations, but I guess I will go Brendan Todd Mm. and uh, Todd's deficiencies are always the same with distance and iron play, but he ranks 39th in this field when looking at my reweighted off the T stat, which is a massive increase from his 110th place mark overall. He's good on this grass type. He's always good with a putter. He ranks top 15 in this field in sand safe percentage. I'm just going to hope that some of the reduction from the irons from over 200 yards and the course not being as long maybe gives him one of those random top 10 results. I don't know what the win equity actually is for him. I mean, obviously, when you get down into this range, it gets lessened to begin with. I actually think Damon has more win equity, even though they're the same price. So um, I don't know. And probably the best win equity belongs to Cam Davis. I just can't go that route with it. So 
I will leave $100 on the table and I will finish it with Brendan Dodd. Spencer, can I ask you, was Bo Hostler a consideration there at 6,800? Uh, my model didn't really like him this week. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm scrolling through to figure out the reason why it didn't. I mean, I guess like it didn't like him for the weighted tee to green. Obviously, that's going to then compound on top of itself with the weighted off the tee plus approach numbers. Uh, the putter is going to be great. He's fine on this grass type. Um, I don't know. No, I mean, I guess the par five scoring is fine, but no, he wasn't in consideration for me. Fair uh, what, what about you, Andy? No, I don't think he can hit his irons very well, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, he, I think it's a lot of putting right now. And and if I'm going to take one of those guys, I'd, I'd, I'd at least want the irons to be kind of trending a little bit up. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of starting to see with Denny. So no, I wasn't, he wasn't a huge consideration for me. I do like Todd though. I'm playing Todd is in the pool as well. I love it guys. That's a wrap for the draft fun draft tonight. Please do drop in the comments. Let us know what team you think is the best. Who do you think is going to win? Which teams do you like? We're going to talk about it on Twitter. Get into Discord. A lot to talk about. And I know we're running a little overtime tonight, but we're not done yet. Before we wrap up for this evening, we will still give you our outright bets and first round leaders. So let's dive right into it. Spence, do you want to kick us off? Who do you like in the outright market this week? Sure. So I kind of bet a lot of people this week and I don't have anybody less than 40 to one. So I took a bunch of shots down the board. Uh, Kevin Noss, 60 to one, Eric Van Royen, 110 to one. I did bet Cameron Davis at 180 to one, Tommy Fleetwood, 55 to one, uh, Joel Damon, Domin, 180 to one, Siwoo Kim, 55 to one. Uh, Kim is another guy that I was probably going to pivot to if it would have come down to it. I think Kim's playing really good golf right now. Tom Hoagie, 80 to one, and then Sung J M, 40 to one. That card's not as much as it seems like with the exposure. It's like 0.9 units in total. I love it. I love it. See, how about you? Who do you got in the outright market this week? All right, I'm trying to narrow it down. I had six, but I'll, I'll peel one off. So DJ at 18 to one, not super, not a super fun number, but I think it might be 16 to one now. Um, I saw it at 18 to one earlier in the week. Alex Noren at 50 to one. Tom Hoagie at 80 to one, just like Spencer. Dylan Fratelli at 130 to one, and Patton Kazire at 130 to one. Uh, the guy I xed off was uh, Russell Knox, just for uh, clarification there. All right, Andy, who are you looking at for outright tickets? Yeah, I got a bunch too. Um, Connor's 28, uh, Henley 45, McNeely 55, Fleetwood 55, and then Charles Howell 130 to one, mm. Denny McCarthy 130 to one, Joel Damon 180 to one, and Pat Gazire 180 to one. So just real quick, uh, Howell is a guy I'm probably going to be playing a little bit in DFS. And it sounds like yeah. you are too, Spencer. You as well. Oh, yeah. okay. He okay. was on the Kazire, Denny, and Howell were shortlist for that final pick. I think Howell's a great play this week. Great. I do too. I love it. I got a few uh swing for the fences shot. Honestly, I don't really think this guy's a good win, but I really wanted to give a five hundred to one number until I get to do that. I love it. 
It's Henrik Norlander. Uh, yes. You know, we love Henrik yes. Norlander on the yeah. show. You know, he's probably better for an outright ticket than even for DFS because it's very likely to miss the cut. But we've seen him put weeks together where, like, he does. Like, when he gets it going, he's ball striking. He can really put together a week. So at 500 to 1, it's worth maybe putting a dollar or two just to see. Have a little crazy of a weekend. Um, then going back, snapping back to reality a little bit. Um, I like Dylan Fratelli at 130 to 1. Brian Harmon at 100 to 1. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with the long shots this week. The, the last two, I like Harold Va- Harold Varner at 65 to 1. Um, and, you know, obviously my first pick, um, Adam Hadwin at 60 to 1. So that's a wrap for the outright market. Now, of course, we're going to have some fun with some first round leaders before we get out of here tonight. So, Spencer, are you giving your picks up to see it per usual today? Yeah, I mean, C is back. So, I mean, he's the first round leader king. So it's all on C. I'm deferring my time to him. All right. All right. Andy, how about you? Anyone in the first round leader market? I defer to Sia. I, I was, we were joking when we got, before we went hot. I just, I don't know how people win on this market. And so Sia is a unicorn and I'm just going to tail everything he says. Yeah. Go ahead, Joel. I was going to say, out of respect for you, we have to defer. You are the, you are the genius that's been, and I will say, before you give your picks, I will preface it with for like two years. I've been making a joke about how you should mortgage your home, put everything you have on CS first round leader bet because mm-hmm. it's just gonna hit. It's a lock it and I like we laugh because it's like, but then like this year you actually hit like every tournament and so it's like <laughs> it's not a joke. It may, I don't know. I'm not even gonna make it anymore because maybe you should bet more because he's so hot right now. It's unbelievable. So I'm just not gonna say anything and let's see him make the picks. I, I've been going that route and I think I'm the owner of the Bellagio now. So <laughs> see What's funny and completely ridiculous is now I have an expectation that I'm going to hit it. And for the record, I don't want to be the first round leader guy because that is a, a ship that's going to sink really, really quick. But I had DJ last week um, at the Masters. I had Neiman and I had another guy. All three were contending like in the top six. I thought DJ was once he was on the back nine, I thought it was his to to lose. But he kind of he kind of just uh, was soft the rest of the way. But the point is, I was like, man, I, I almost hit that one too. Like, listen, this is going to crash and burn very soon, but it's fun, it, which is why I think you guys should at least have a couple like in the coming weeks. As much as I'd like you to friend, it is fun. It's just, it's a fun thing to do, which is why, like, mm-hmm. it's not a bet we should all be taking seriously, other than the guy who put like 50 bucks on one of mine and, and won a few thousand, which is don't do that. Don't put 50 bucks. He had a free play or something. So that's, that's why he did it. But, do not put big money on this, but okay. So here are, so I have a, uh, a narrative guy that I mentioned on the first cut. I'm not going to give the, the story on that. You can watch it. I, I posted it on Twitter earlier today. He's like a bonus because it's his birthday on April 14th, like day one of the RBC heritage. So he's not a real pick, but he's like the sixth guy in because it's his birthday and he's Canadian. It's the Royal Bank of Canada that's sponsoring the event. It's this whole thing. Born in Winnipeg, win, W-I-N, Winnipeg. Okay. So I'll get to him in a second. The real picks are Alex Norn at 50 to one. Adam Hadwin at 65 to 1, Matt Kuchar at 65 to 1, Kevin Streelman at 75 to 1, and Tom Hoagie at 75 to 1. So everything's in between that 50 and 75 range. Norrin Hadwin, Streelman, Hoagie. The bonus pick is Nick Taylor at 130 to 1. It's his birthday on April 14th. Actually, his approach play hasn't been bad as of late. It's not like crazy good or anything, but he is a good course fit. I mean, I, I don't think it's an unreasonable. Uh, thing for him to be flirting with, you know, somewhere in the top 10 on day one. So I'm just throwing him out there as the narrative play. As far as the play that I, that the breaking news play that 
I'm really going to lean on if I was going to put an extra, you know, couple bucks literally on a guy, it would probably be Alex Noren at 50 to one. That's the one I like the most. I, I like love it. it. That's a wrap. It's easy. It's really is take the picks, make a lot of money. Uh, keep in mind, I would get them in now because they're probably going to be moving to negative odds by, by tomorrow yeah, after making Vegas pick. So totally just keep a that thing. in mind. You're going to want to get the, the number you got tonight. Uh, that's a wrap for this week. Big thanks to Andy Lack for joining us. You're a great guest. Andy, any parting words? No, thank you guys. That was a blast. Um, is there a way we can, we'll just keep in touch and figure out who wins. I'll probably end up entering this lineup myself. We'll enter the teams. So typically okay. last week I wasn't able to, last couple of weeks I wasn't able to do it, but um, we'll, we'll, we'll enter, I'll, I'll enter the, my team and then you guys enter your teams and then we'll, we'll, we'll know who, who came out on top for sure. Okay. We usually pick like the big $5 contest, like the, the 150 max. I can't remember what it's called right now, but okay. we just throw it in that, in that term. Okay. Wonderful. Sounds good. Well, it was a blast guys. Anytime you need me. Thank awesome, you. Andy. Man. Loved having you on Andy. It was a pleasure. Um, it was an overall really fun show tonight. Any parting words, Sia? Yeah, so I just double-checked that Nick Taylor uh, first-round leader number. It's it's not 130 to 1 anymore. I guess they're kind of dialed into this show. So it's actually down to 4 to 1. See, you missed the boat on Nick Taylor first-round leader, but everything else is still just as live as it was before. Oh, and sports. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.